join us as we take a look behind the scenes with the independent musicians of Louisiana. Learn about upcoming projects before they drop. Experience the rich heritage of iconic venues and get first-hand accounts of exclusive events. Musicians are remarkable people. Get to know them, their struggles, and the inspiration for their art. NewOrleansMusicians.com is dedicated to uplifting the artists and providing them with the tools necessary to elevate their craft. We shine a spotlight on them, as well as highlight the music scene and educate everyone with our interviews, album reviews, and music scene news. This is NewOrleansMusicians.com. Uh, my name is Sean Riley. I am a guitar player, singer-songwriter. Uh, name of my band is Sean Riley in the Water. All right. And uh, where did you grow up, Sean? I grew up in upstate New York, uh, a little town called Saratoga Springs, New York. Yeah. And you've had uh, albums leading up to the one you're about to drop now? Yep. I have one, one EP I released in, the, uh, in late 2019. Uh, under the name Old Riley in the Water, um, and that was a seven-song EP, a couple original songs and some some collaboration and uh, a couple covers. But yeah. that's that record is called Biting Through. That's up on Spotify and all that. Gotcha. Yeah. And not to not to uh, pigeonhole your artistry or anything, but <laughs> if you had to describe to people that are not familiar with your music, how would you say it feels, and what would you say? I would say it's it's. <clears throat> really uh, heavily blues and roots influence, a little Americana as well, but really on the heavy on the blues and roots stuff. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Um, when you were growing up, your parents, what kind of music were they listening to? Like, what's the first music that you remember? Hearing? Uh, a lot of old 1950s stuff, you know, a lot of Roy Orbison, yeah, uh, okay. a lot of Beach Boys, um, a lot of Paul Simon. Those are New Yorkers, so everybody loves Paul Simon up there. Sure. Um, stuff like that, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I was uh, I was self I'm a self taught musician. My, my my folks, you know, they didn't play or anything, but they were very supportive of what I did. But I, I taught myself uh, around the age of fifteen or so. So I was going to ask how early on did it start? Yeah, for you? fifteen, sixteen years old. I started getting into it. What um, what sparked it for you then? What made you want to pursue? Um, it? You know, I don't know. I just I, I don't. I think I just really at first being so young. Like I remember going to. Uh, there was this old guitar shop in my in my town, in my hometown, and I just loved the way they looked, man. I loved the look of an SG, yeah. Angus Young, and all that. It was just like, wow, it's so cool. What is that, you know? And I started really thinking about it, and I had this old guitar, which is actually hanging up in my living room. From it was my aunt's from my I think 1965. It's an old Stella, and she had gifted it gifted it to me. So I didn't know how to play. I was just messing around, you know. But um, and then I think I finally went to one of my first shows, uh, a kind of an intimate show, and saw the blues for real. And that really just got me. I was just hooked from that, you know, about the age of 16 or so. Just thought it was super cool. I liked the whole look. I loved, like, the Blues Brothers and all that growing up. That oh, was fun. Yeah. I mean, I came up on rock and roll and jam bands and, like, you know, seeing the Allman Brothers since I was, like, 10 years old you know like it was one of my first shows so like it, it was really? in there yeah, yeah, yeah they used yeah. to play my hometown every every year every summer they'd come up <clears throat> and uh it's just kind of you know it just really stuck with me that sound and uh, slide sound sure i played a lot of slide guitar and that was like just something hit with me with that and i i never you know i never it never stopped going away even though i got into like punk rock music hip-hop music and you know uh all sorts of different stuff because as you, as you do as a kid and you should you know, 
but that blues stuff just always stuck with me just always was that like constant vein there and i was always trying to figure it out and it's i'm still trying to figure it out you sure know? <laughs> i'll never figure it out but um but it kind of became a lifelong like love of blues records and and roots records american you know country music too as uh i love like old country stuff my, my folks listen to a lot of willie you know waylon jennings and that and i, I love that growing up too so that old kind of Americana thing just started, and um, I don't know. I think it was, uh, yeah, it was just kind of a, a little bit of a burning desire. We were talking about before. It's like sure. I really had to learn it and figure it out, you know, as much as I could. And uh, I stumbled, you know. It was hard. I got, I did finally get lessons, and I finally sort of figured it out. And then, uh, you know, I still, t- I'll still take lessons every once in a while. A lesson is just watching somebody play. I'll go watch some of these insane players in town. I just sit there, and to me, it's a lesson. I'm like, "Well, I got something out of that," you know. Yeah. When yeah. you were young and you were you were listening to this music with a, a, a like a fledgling interest of actually doing it yourself, mm-hmm. were you listening to it through the lens of a musician? Not so much that you weren't you were or were not a musician right. just yet, but were you listening in particular to the guitar parts? Like, did did? Oh it, yeah, I yeah. wanted to play it. Yeah. I wanted to be every time we had, we had this really big amphitheater in my hometown, and like I said, all my brothers like the dead would come every year, and like everything, Steely Dan, all sorts of crazy stuff would come by, and Janet Jackson, whatever was playing, I'd go and see, and I just always wanted to be on a stage. It was okay, like, that was that definitely hit me early on. Yeah, but it was also like, how am I gonna figure that out? How am I gonna do that right? You know, um, so I you know I had a long journey with it. You know, I I, I made sure I was comfortable and confident enough to start playing my own stuff you know and that didn't happen until my 30s yeah yeah, i was about to say (laughs) no i didn't no i didn't even even close i mean i I played a lot of i played in like bands and you know funk a lot of funk bands because i was trying to learn rhythm that was the thing i had a teacher that said if you don't know rhythm yet you don't know shit like you got to have your rhythm down get your right hand going you know with the rhythm and uh and really stick to that beat and really so I, I feel i needed to learn that before i like really could find myself with it and you know, it was the whole thing sure yeah. yeah and as far as the aesthetics went you just liked the gleam of the guitar you weren't looking at any of the glitz that comes with the lifestyle of being a musician like that didn't you didn't mention it so it didn't jump out at yeah you. not 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 too much i mean i read i read all the books of like you know from the keith richards book to slash book to you know, just, I'm reading the Lemmy book right now, and it's you know I read I love reading about their lifestyles. It's fucking it's hilarious. And sure. you know, I never saw myself like that. I was always like, I know I'm not going to be a rock star, superstar, and it's okay. But I love reading about it. And I do have that like, you know, idolize some of that. Well, stuff. sure, you live you know, vicariously yeah, through yeah, that. Yeah, I love it. I love I love all things rock and roll, really, and that means blues too. So uh, yeah, but for me, it was like, man, how do I get that sound? that tone how do i figure that out you know like what, what guitar is going to make me f- have that sound or feel good so i'm just a i'm a guitar nerd that's not too techie <laughs> sure. you know i don't know like i couldn't tell you a ton of te- technological stuff but i love guitars i'm you know and i i uh, obviously have a good amount of them yeah and um you know it's it, yeah it was just the I, it started from a love of, of that of the instrument for sure yeah and, and then it was like well, hell, I gotta learn how to sing because I'm by myself. You know, out of necessity, sure. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of out of necessity, and, and I always, I always enjoyed singing, and I, you know, um, 
it, but that's another that's a whole other thing it's just still still learning that and practicing that and doing that right is a lifelong thing yeah. yeah so when you when you uh plugged in your aunt's guitar how far off bass were you from what you were hearing and trying to be sound <laughs> well i had no pickups this is an old stella it's an old old you know old parlor guitar but uh you know it was so f I, for, I didn't know how to tune it and I was just like, I don't, you know, because we didn't have we didn't have the the whatever they call them the the <coughs> those little tuners you plug on this on the uh, sure we didn't have those <laughs> back then. It was like it was tuning to a piano, you know, and I didn't, I didn't have a, anything. No, so I had to learn from. Uh, I bought one of those old little harmonica. And that looks like a harmonica. It's got a little tubes and it's just, yeah, you blow it. You you know, you blow the E, and I would tune it and. And that's when I got my first lesson. Was like, All right, I got to learn how to tune the damn thing, you know. And 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 that's. But when I first picked it up, I, I just I love the feel of it, you know. I would just you know obviously like sit and looking. Oh, it looks cool, man. It's always definitely a look cool sort of thing. Who doesn't pick up the guitar and want to look cool? Like at fifteen, sixteen, did it fit? You? Yeah, I feel like it did. You know, I feel like it did. And when I started to learn my first chords and stuff, and like I have my buddies over, I'd still play, and they'd be like damn man that's really good you know even though it's like <laughs> you know this uh smoke on the water or whatever like layla's you know simple stuff like well, sure Layla's simple but just like really easy riffs and stuff and that kind of that gave me a lot of like all right i can do this man you know so it definitely fit after that um and then soon after i got an electric guitar and it was all it was all over i was just constantly racket making all sorts of racket in the basement yeah that stuff you know how were you you said at some point you did receive lessons but mm. how were you pursuing it prior to getting lessons did you have tab books or anything i think yeah i got tab i got tab books <clears throat> i mean that really that first lesson i think i got was sort of court ordered lesson by my <laughs> by my dad he's just like you're getting a lesson otherwise you're not gonna you know we don't want to buy this thing and you know it's sitting in, sit in the closet sort of situation so i got like the, i got like maybe one or two lessons that were just like really basic kind of um but I, I fell out of love with that i was like now nah, i can do this on my own i can figure this out i was i was figuring stuff out in my ear I'm like this sounds right so i'd have to keep going and playing it and playing it but to get the fundamentals down yeah i read this i had this big i still have it you know these books i had when i was a kid um it's called the guitar grimoire or something you know and it just taught you how to in writing um and i bought videos you know we did have vhs back then <laughs> this is like you know mid 90s and or late 90s or whatever but like i did have like dvds i could throw in and learn too from video you yeah know what i mean so I, I did a lot of that but what i mean self-taught is just like i would sit for hours and hours you know and just try to learn one thing or you know and stick to it you know where where were the dvds coming from this is oh man instructional pieces just or from tower records or whatever okay you know anywhere. like just wherever i would buy them yeah any, <clears throat> any record store would have them but they were all like yeah very very basic instruction stuff and um you know i'd also hear a lot, i would go see a lot of music and i would watch people play kind of up close um either be like you know a pub or something watching a, an irish band play you know that was school that was school man i would just sit and watch that you know and i yeah. would uh and i had other friends that played too and they would kind of i would that watch helps. them play you know yeah. they'd be just starting out too and be like wow that's really cool and so that's how you learn you learn by watching and hanging out with other people always go hang out with your friends and play music if you can it really brings it all together and it makes you feel less 
you know, timid. You know, um, I spent a lot of time just like I'd play the guitar in my bedroom and I'd put it away. I wouldn't do anything else. You know, I would I wouldn't go out and and show it around. I wouldn't show. I wasn't didn't want to seem like a show off or I didn't think I was that good. <laughs> That's really what well, it it's was. hard when you don't have anything to gauge against. <clears throat> yeah. Like, where am I supposed no, to be man, at this that, point? How does yeah. this sound to others? Exactly. You know? All I was doing was just watching videos and 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 watching and reading some books on it, and that was that was all I could listen to records. Yeah. You know, but. Um, I finally got a handle on things, and and uh, then I did some theory stuff, and I had to get the basic, you know, basic theory down to be able to play in bands, and yeah, that's kind of how the whole thing started, you know, came about. I don't know why it popped in my head while you were talking about DVDs, but I've got one. I don't even know where I found it. It might have been like a flea market or something, mm. but it's River Phoenix interviewing Wow Flea, <laughs> nice. and it's like the corniest fake brick wall background <laughs> with like a fake graffiti and some yeah, sure, balled sure. up pieces yeah. of paper you know and it's, there's awkward silences and they're only interrupted by like you know wire feedback noise and shit. <laughs> it's very nice. weird but yeah yeah but flea goes on to describe his style of music and he sounds like an astronaut dude oh, he's like yeah. he's just wow. talking about like cosmic exploration oh, and all this I shit. Can only imagine. but it doesn't matter what he says because then when he gets up and speaks <laughs> with that guitar you're just like you just oh. It's unreal, man. That's oh, it. It's so cool. It smooths out all the rough mm -hmm. edges as soon as he starts getting down yep. on it, man. One of the first ones I got was a Warren Haynes DVD, the guitar player for Allman Brothers for many years. But, and, it, yeah, it was kind of awkward. You could tell he was kind of awkward in front of the camera. He was like, uh, you know, and he had a really hard time. He kind of, he was good at it, but, like, it was, you know, but then he was like, okay, we're going to try this. And it was just, you know, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> it just kind of went, whoa. Yeah, you know, so yeah, it's cool. I mean, I, I still love watching videos. I mean, you know, I, I steer clear a lot of the YouTube stuff because it's all just not great. But you know, I, I there is some. It's very helpful to do that. I think anyone that's learning, do that. Get in, you know, don't spend too much time on the wormhole, but do it and then put it away and learn on your like. Yeah, learn and listen to like listen to listen to records. I mean, that's where you're gonna get your own sound. Sure. Otherwise, you're just going to sound like someone else, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You definitely have to develop your own sound. Yeah. Um, how, how were you socially as a kid? Well, I mean, was it easy in social situations? Did, um, you, did you prefer to be alone? I was very, I'm, I was, I feel like I was a shy, shy kid. Okay. You know, but I had a lot of, I had a lot of buddies. I had a lot of friends and they, they were, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't, uh, but in those situations, I was kind of shy. So the guitar was a way for me to speak. That's where I was going. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was a way I could sit and be like. Hey, you guys, I learned this, you know, little Zeppelin lick or something. And they'd be like, wow, that's really fucking cool. And yeah, keep yeah. going with it. And they were all really encouraging, which was really sweet. Yeah. You know, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, I never had anyone you know, say, oh, you're terrible. Don't do that. They were always like, dude, that <laughs> sounds cool. Keep it up. Like, yeah. you got something. Yeah. And that kind of, like, helped me out. It really did. It was positive reinforcement, you know. I mean, I definitely had some band tryouts where they were like, no way, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're terrible. And I was like, okay. Well, look, and that hurts too, but, yeah. but you know, when you have a good, I guess, you know, I had a small group of friends in a small town kind of thing. And, and I did, you know, I don't remember anything where it was like, don't ever do that. It's terrible. You know, it's I was like, about to keep say, going, look, man, man, snobs aren't hard to find oh, in, no in music, yeah. you know, music, any oh. kind of art form, you know, anything, man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I'm glad you were able to dodge that. I think and, I will. Yeah, yeah. I think overall, you know, I think it was, it was, yeah. Okay. And at 15 or 16 too, I mean, as far as I remember, 
kids aren't too critical of who they hang out with. If you live in the same neighborhood, you just kind of together, whether you like it or not. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, and you know, my buddies were getting into music too as well, so we'd have that. And then I had other friends that weren't into more into sports and stuff, and I was doing that too. So it was like, you know, I just kind of did my own thing, really. I was, I, I was always in my room trying to play. I was always yeah. trying to figure it out. Uh, you said you had some friends that were playing that you could. Yeah, man, we got a little out. jam band. You know, that's what I was going to ask. So I mean, when a, is, when someone that came start? over. You know, much to my parents' surprise, someone came over with a drum kit one time. Put the drum kit up. Put the bass amps and the amp up, and in the basement, it just started rocking. And but they were kind of cool with it. Like, right, you know, just don't do it at midnight. But yeah, they let it happen, and uh, and that was that was the most like, all right, this is the coolest. <laughs> that was the coolest thing I first played with a drum out. I'll never forget that feeling, first playing with a drum and bass, even though we were all <laughs> very, very novice. Um, I even played some drums too early on too in, in, in a you know a little basement band as well, just because I wanted to figure that out too, you know. Sure. I did have that love for that, but um, quickly went back to the guitar. And yeah, that feeling was just, just still, I still get that. I still get that feeling when, I'm, when, I, when we kick off and, and the drum, awesome. everybody hits. It's just like, it's such a cool feeling and uh, that's will always be even with like you know the nervousness of the of the gig or setting up is always a pain in the ass I, you know you know uh, setting your amp up making sure the sound is right you know that stuff is just like so annoying to me and, and it's frustrating sometimes it's just, you know, why does this mic not work you know what's wrong with my amp oh, trust me i, <laughs> I love you? electrical problems because yeah. the symptom is the same no matter what's going on it does not work it does not go work. figure it out go figure it out yeah you know but once that's like all taken care of then it's like <laughs> one two three kick and you're like oh you know and and playing in new orleans man has been you know that that'll always keep you going because i i play with a lot of different people you know the, the, the name of the band sean riley and the water the meaning for the water is that i'm constantly have a flowing band behind me of different people. Okay. Different drummer, different. I usually have a drum and bass situation, a couple teams that I call because they. I want a bass player that or a drummer that wants a certain bass player, you know, that kind of thing. If gotcha. I can do it, if I can do it. <clears throat> but a lot of times, I'm walking on stage and I'm meeting the bass player. Okay. For the first time, or I'm playing with him for the first time. Same thing with the drums. Does that add to or detract from it, your it, experience? It, I mean, it detracts from like me like getting into my own shit because we just play straight up like blues numbers and like groovy shit. Stuff you know. He knows. Yeah, something he yeah. knows. You know, it's just like I mean, I keep on on the. Here's a beat. You know, I'm gonna kick it off on the one. Just come in with me, and then we'll we'll figure out changes and all that. So, but it's happened a lot. I've had gigs where both the drummer and the bass player don't know each other, and I don't know either of them. So like I was kind of I don't know I was thinking about a name for the band and you know that sort of thing I'm I'm sort of always in a <laughs> it's always different people playing with me but at the same time I do have a crew that I've been playing with for like you know seven eight years I like it though it doesn't have a negative yeah. connotation it no. just is you know yeah it's just what it is yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly but it also says I know there's a lot of guys in New Orleans that do that as well you're, you know you're picking up gigs every once in a while and I just picked up a gig last night I just woke up someone's like hey I need you to jump in there. And sometimes you don't know who it's you know who you're gonna get. You just don't have this you know you, you call the guy you know that you'd want at first because they know the whole set, they know your song. <clears throat> sometimes they ain't available on a day's notice or yeah, hours right. notice. Yeah. So you're just sitting you're calling whomever, and that's a cool. I I love that because it's a good community of people and you meet people. And everybody's everybody's pretty damn good too. You know, like yeah. so they can do that. 
especially drummers in this town. They can kind of, you get the right one, they can do whatever. I tell you what, man, there's a lot of hired guns, if you will. There's a yeah. lot of uh, people that are also fluid in their own right because they move between several bands yeah. regularly. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. Um, I mean, I've discovered that I don't know any other place, so I don't have anything to really compare it to. I don't know if that's, that differs in different music circles mm-hmm. and scenes, but down here there's a lot of it and i mean i'm, I'm sure yeah. it's probably for the best it's healthy it keeps things i think so you know it, it keeps does. things different it keeps people working too you know and um it keeps the keeps yeah i'm i'm sell. i seldom say no to a gig i actually never do if i can if i can do it sure you know so i'll figure it out if, if they want a band i'll I got a list of numbers. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Call, you know, and, that's good. And that's that's how it goes. But uh, your um, so your jam band <clears> in the <throat> first moment, and where do you move from there? By the way, I mean it must have been so nice to have a a basement to be in to be able to practice. We don't enjoy basements down here. I know you're right. I was just gonna say <laughs> there's I'm no hiding basement. the sound. Like, what are you talking about basement? <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I lived. This is you know this is when I lived way up north. Like it was yeah we had it was like a, it was like going on a split level homes like it's had like the the garage was above i don't know but uh it uh, yeah we just had enough room just enough space and, yeah. and uh and they were i cleared out some stuff and and it was yeah just enough room to kind of squeeze in there you know you know but, sure and does yeah it, did it turn into a regular i mean not really it didn't it didn't because we you know someone wouldn't it would yeah, it didn't really turn into anything from there, to be honest. If I can recall, I don't really. <laughs> um, it was more just a hang, you know, and we would do it once in a while. And <clears throat> I wanted to do. I was. I was excited. I, I remember being really excited and wanting to do something. But like, the bass player was like, "I'm terrible. I can't do this." And I'm like, "All right." And he kind of fell out of form with it. And uh, same with the drummer, you know. So from there, I, I, I don't know. I, I, got, I went back to my bedroom and just tried to learn as much as I could. Yeah. You know, and didn't really have a clue of what the hell I was going to do with it. But I know I really loved doing it. And I, I think and it's it interesting a, that, I mean, you're flying blind, right? And you're yeah. a kid. You're just trying to figure things out. But I think it's mm-hmm. interesting that you... You knew that um, first things first. I got to figure out how to tune this. Like you knew some of the essentials mm-hmm. that might not occur to everyone, especially when yeah. there's no. Voice. I knew I needed to learn chords and you know. Right, that, there's no know? voice guiding them, and yeah, you're yeah. figuring that out as you go along. So right. I mean, it, it seems like you had a, an artist sensibility early on, perhaps. You know? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, that's a good way to think of it. Like I, I did want to. It had to. Just didn't sound right, you know, and yeah. Um, didn't sound like what it sounded like on that record or in that video. I'm like, how are they doing that? How are they? What is going on with that? Why is it so much different than what I'm doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I, I was just that was my driving force was just trying to learn. That's how I learned, you know. And I, I, I guess, and I, I, I should have probably found another teacher that I, I liked, you know. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I, it, for some reason, I was getting along fine with the little tab books and. And the DVDs, and it just sort of said, right, "I'm just gonna keep on this thing," you know. And and then I went to college, and I met a lot of other, you know, more seasoned musicians, you know, kids that have been playing a lot longer and playing, you know, jazz players and stuff like that. And they taught me a lot. Yeah. So I'd sit with them. Mm-hmm. I always played. I always had this little idea in my head: always play with people that are better than you. And I still do that today. Absolutely. Always. I I try to hire the best. <laughs> drummer that like you know best bass player guitar players whatever 
because you play up, man. You play up to them, you know, and, and I, I really love that. Sometimes I'm sweating because I'm like, oh, man, is this, it sets the is bar. Is good, man? Is this any good? You know, but like, and then afterwards, they're like, yeah, hey, it was fun. Let's do it again. And you're like, okay. Yeah, you pass, you pass muster. <laughs> so, yeah, that always, that's kind of been a motto of mine, like, growing up and still, hell, man, always play with people that you admire and are are better than you, you know? Like, sure. I, I got a band, these, you know, these guys that I play with, you know, and, and all of them are, I feel like, better musicians than I am. But that's my feeling. And that's, I'm not saying that it doesn't mean, like, they actually are, whatever. It's just my feeling is that I, I admire this person. I can learn from them. You know, I, I, it, it opens your ears on stage when you're playing. Because, you know, if you're a singer, it's your song, you have a tendency to just focus the tunnel vision, like, I got to sing this song right and everything. But... And that is cool, and you should. But also, you gotta lean back, and you gotta keep these ears open, and making sure you're you're on pitch. Because if you ain't on pitch, if you ain't listening to the drummer and bass, and you're you're singing too fast or or too slow or, or too loud or whatever, then you're not listening to sure. dynamics. Sure. You know? So that's kind of been a motto of mine. I want for every musician, you know. I want to revisit that one thing that you were talking about, stepping back and listening. But I wanted to ask you, shortly before college or while you were in college, what, yeah. what was marking progress in your mind? Was it mastering whatever you just saw on the DVDs and yep. VHS tapes that you yep. saw? Yeah, it was playing along with records. Okay. It was like, man, that's like a little part in that Cream song. I think I got it. Like, I think it's, I think that's what he's doing. Yeah. You know, I had no video of that shit, but I was like, I think that's what I think that was that's what Clapton is doing. <laughs> Probably wasn't, but but it it was like I think that's it. That sound, man, wow! I think that's how he's doing it. And you know, and I try to like, uh, you know, Guitar Magazine and all that shit. You know, you go out. I remember going and looking and seeing like learn, you know, learn Sunshine of Your Love or something like that. Sure. I grab that thing and just be like, try to tap <laughs> it out. Be like, wow! Like I didn't know the scales yet. But I was like trying to figure it out. So the next thing for me was I need scales. I need to learn how to do scales. And then, you know, in college, I started playing with um, a couple of guys that were much more new theory. They could play piano. They could play, you know, and, and so I would, <coughs> I will never forget a friend of mine saying to me, you're, you're a really good guitar player, but if you had, or you're a good guitar player, but if you had theory, you'd be really good. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that stuck with me. I said, all right, I got to learn theory. So... I had to learn the basic, you know, that that fundamental of it before I could. Uh, and what is walk. that? Is that like six, seven years into playing? Um, let's see. That would be no, only like two or three. I think I started really like got my first guitar when I was like, I guess sixteen. Okay. Little like little electric guitar, and then I turned eighteen, went to school, and I bought a seventy-three SG because I had to have it. I bought this like cool 73 SG and never forget it, man. I wish I still had that damn thing. It's probably worth so much now. I sold it or bought it for nothing. Um, it was a little, little trashed out, but I just wanted that sound. I wanted that big heavy neck. I was like the big fat baseball bat necks and that old vintage sound. You know, I was kind of really into that. Yeah. So I bought that and uh, yeah, I think it had been like two or two or three years into playing is when I was like, okay, I got to learn some real basic stuff. And it, it, it you know. It's not a big span of time, though. I mean, no, it seems like you were really. moving right along. You know? Yeah, I think so. I, I guess when you think about it, yeah, to me, I felt like it took me so long to... I, not until I was about my early 20s is where I actually learned real theory, and I could actually read. So I could do some sight reading. I could notate, and, you know, um, I could... 
play with others in speaking of the the ones and the fours and the fives and the sevens and the twos. Yeah. I could do that comfortably. It was in my like early 20s. So, you know, um, it, it took a while. I mean, it took from you know, a couple of years, I guess, of that. I think it's more based on how badly you wanted it. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Because if it. you didn't care about it, you'd be I, like, I oh, I'm already yeah, doing this. You're yeah. totally right, man. And that was it. I really did want it. I really was, damn, I want to get to that next step. I'm not still like that. I'm still like, i got to get to the next level in my head. Yeah. i got to learn this, you know, different thing. Or, or you know, I'm, I'm a kind of player. Like, I, I'm, I'm not a technical person. Not a technical player at all. I'm kind of sloppy and bluesy and all that which i love i love that chant like that keith richards style of playing is you know it's 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 more soulful than anything. sure however <clears throat> i miss a note i'm like i, I want to you know it sticks <laughs> with me it sticks with me and if i have a bad show or i miss like you know a bunch of notes yeah i'm fucking I'm, I'm annoyed i come home angry yeah you know at myself so sure we'll be right back after these messages Hey, what's up, everybody? Normally in the middle of podcasts, they give you a bunch of advertisements. But on the NewOrleansMusicians.com podcast, I like to shout out our members. Today I've got a band by the name of Black Laurel. They're an Americana, alt-rock, and funk rock band inspired by others like The Who, Rush, Grateful Dead, and Red Hot Chili Peppers. Now, these guys are originally from the East Coast and Chicago area and are now living in New Orleans. When asked what prompted them to choose a career in music, Rene Perez said he just loves to play, and the more he gets paid doing it, the more he's able to do it. When you look them up on Spotify, you'll find a full-length album, Tales from the Motherland, published in 2020, and four singles following those. Right now, I'm going to play a snip of their work. This one is called Every Time You Go. Check it out. Yellow is your color, a silken suede, ain't your for the night parade You pray for rain To wash the dust away There's just some things That should never come back Like toxic love or a heart attack Your crimson eyes Your yellow smile and smack And now back to our show You need the, uh, the pick of destiny Was that Jack Black? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you need you don't even have to give it a second thought. So, so you were talking about um, kind of stepping back and listening to the sound, mm-hmm. and uh, popped in my head a recent interview that I did, and this was like a, a Zen aha moment for this guy. Yeah, um, he's on stage with uh, a prominent blues harp player of the Chicago blues vein, and. Mm-hmm. Um, He's watching, Johnny Reed was the guy's name. He's touring okay. with Johnny Reed. And okay. he's watching Johnny play. And sometimes they'd be at huge festivals. Sometimes they'd be in something a little smaller indoors. Yeah. But he watches Johnny while Johnny is apparently listening to how the stage resonates with his harmonica. And wow. using the stage as part of an extension of his self, an instrument. And I'm like, this yeah. sounds like... You're That's tripping wild, on man. mushrooms, yeah, dude, right? you know? And, and the vibrations he's, on your feet. <laughs> right. So, But, I mean, can you imagine um, you're, you're in front of thousands of people. Yeah, man. And, but you're sure. having this totally separate experience 
while thousands of people watch you. And that, to, I mean, music is already magic to me already. Like it's some yeah, kind man. of sacred geometry or something. Sure but thing, on top of that, I can't even imagine realizing that's what's going on. Like how in the moment would you have to be to pick up on this this alternate alternate dialogue? Like so just some crazy shit. I know. Shit. I mean, yeah, it's, it's like a... It's like a slower reflex. Sometimes some of these players have, they just can they can kind of sense it. They don't get there's no uppityness. They kind of probably are super laid back and not at all feeling this right now. And like that is cool. Like caught that a couple times with with good bands, you know, or even on my in on my own, you know, like when you're performing in front of people, it's yeah, it's like oh wow, all right, this is it. You're it's like riding a wave. Yeah, you know what I mean. And yeah, I don't surf or nothing, but <laughs> well, I mean, there's no but it's handles. Like just, just, there's no handles. Yeah, man, you're it just, takes you with it, and you coasting. stick with it until you're not. You're you know? coasting, but you're still on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not just like fucking off, and you're just coasting on it, man. But you're still tight with it. That's I mean, that's cool as hell. I've never heard yeah. that. But that sounds about right. You know? Right. I, I wonder Especially if he was levitating too, or probably something. So much that. like crazy vibrations coming from that. It really is. You know, that's such an ether, such an ethereal instrument i love that instrument yeah uh, parts of me wonder if yeah, uh, he man. was levitating at that moment or yes. something like, yeah he probably felt it in his <laughs> felt it in his toes yeah. man you know he lit up yeah, like you mentioned dude. the blues brothers when he's like the band we gotta get the band <laughs> and then god you have rays, to have the right band the man. god rays come down that's right you know? yeah yeah, um, I get the right band. In college, what what was going on with uh, a music career or um, music? Again, pursuit? you know, it was a basement. Like um, we were sort of like uh, doing. We kind of, I, don't know, I guess. Did it, it move but, beyond that? Uh, well, it, it moved beyond. So we started playing parties and stuff. I, I was living with some guys, and we were playing again in a dusty old basement. Uh, you know, his ceiling right, right here couldn't really don't jump. And, you know, asbestos probably falling all over my, you know. That's paying dues. Whatever. Paying your dues, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. You know, but we had it all. And um, we, got a, we got together some guys from, like, the college jazz band and uh, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, <coughs> kind of was just like a sort of a jammy, but blues band. We were okay. a straight blues band. We were playing, like, some Allman Brothers stuff. But we were playing, we were playing like, what the Allman Brothers, they were covering. You know, so old Elmore James stuff and, you know, Junior Wells and all that. Because I had some buddies that were into it as well. And I was super into it at that point. I was just getting into Chicago blues and really, really, like, getting, you know, I'm getting more nerdy about blues stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was the lead player. You know, I wasn't singing or nothing. So that kind of got to a point where we would play bars and we play frat parties and stuff like that. Yeah. How'd you yeah. feel about that? Um... I mean, I loved it. I loved playing. I loved, you know, it was fun to, we would get down there and, and just, again, sit and play for a long time. And that was a lot of fun. But I wanted, I did want more. I wanted to do a lot more with it. I was hoping we would be playing more. And I would see other local bands and I'd be like, nah, we're, you know, we can do that. Let's do that. Let's try to do that, you know. And, and they weren't kind of into it. I mean, it, we were, but not really so much you know there's so, always one there's always one always, that's willing yeah. to take it further than there's everybody else one, yeah know. and there was one dude that was like you're too good to show up or something or in another band and you're like oh no bass player today it's like all right well i guess we'll just you know sit sit around and take bong hits or something like, right. you know, like, what are you gonna do <laughs> what, uh, what was more know. for you what was more in your mind i mean just the littlest thing and just playing playing bars you know i was just like let's go Play some bars. Let's get out there. I wanted. I, I had a taste of it. What was the name of the band? Uh we didn't. We had. A, I don't even know if we did. I think we were called like. 
wherever the street was, blues band. Simple as that. <laughs> it was like the, the Court Street Blues Band. Okay. Catherine, St. Catherine Blues Band. It was like whoever fucking street we're on. We're like, just add Blues Band to the end of it. You're making me look bad because I know. talked about your artistic direction earlier on. <laughs> and you're like, well, we forgot to name the fucking band. Yeah, name the band, bro. <laughs> no, man. I mean, we, we just strictly wanted to be like, you know, or it was or it was somebody's name blues band like Paul Butterfield blues band kind of thing because we much. really were just a blues but I I was trying to be in a blues band I wanted to play that like searing stuff and yeah that's always been what I've been into um, yeah I mean it was fun we played some stuff and um, but that's kind of where it stopped you know pretty much it plateaued or it, it quit it, it plateaued for a minute and then it sort of just like after the year was over I I actually left college and went to Europe for a semester so that that stopped that and then after that I went to a work study and that's when I moved to New York City that's the next chapter gotcha and I was in New York City for 15 years and then I moved here that had to be incredibly satisfying though moving to New York City when you're yeah, in the pursuit of you just wanted to play on stage at bars I did like, man bam, that's all I wanted is. to do that's all I wanted to do man we get down there and do it I mean I had a I was fortunate enough that I had this graphic design uh, you know fallback <laughs> career and sure I got this really cool internship down there like work study program and suddenly I'm in Manhattan you know and like it was wild and I started you know trying to find bands and playing this and is kinda, when whatever what time um early 2000s like 2002 you know something like that okay um yeah early, early 2000s so <clears throat> you know I just try to find players through friends or whatever, and and uh, we get rehearsal spaces and go and try to do stuff. I started writing. That's when I started writing my own music. Okay. And it was really like blues rock kind of stuff, um, very heavy on like Black Keys sort of style. They were huge. I mean, they still are, but that's when they came out. Right, right. And I remember when they came out, I was like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> damn, I was into it. Um, and obviously, like you know, Jack White, big fan of that. And so that was really influential for me. And, and there was a lot of stuff. I lived downtown, and there was a lot of little places you could play. So yeah. I just kind of was sneaking in, playing little you know, punk rock stuff. Um, and punk blues kind of stuff like that. Now, you mentioned um, Jack White. You also mm. previously said that you weren't really into the technical aspect of playing. So uh, the, the types of... Of music that you were writing at that time was it kind of stripped down to its yeah. essence because I mean both of those things speak yep. of that you know very very stripped down stuff you yeah. know but I still try to add a little something to it. I'm like a you know I also really love singer songwriter music you know John Prine and uh, Tom Waits is a huge influence on me I, I sure uh, Leonard Cohen Paul Simon too like I still love that lyrical thing you know and so I was trying to write lyrics you know trying to figure it out how to do it and uh, but it was mostly kind of like just fun, simple, kind of dirty blues lyrics. Yeah. You know, and that's all that was. And, um, Did you have anything to have the blues about at the time? Did you draw from... I mean, yeah, a lot of, yeah, you know, breakups and lost... There you go. Marriages. Uh, not, not, I wasn't married, but I almost was. And, um, yeah, you know, some psychological stuff. But I was pretty much a happy dude. So it was more like I didn't want people to dance. I still do. I still make music for people to dance. I think blues is for dancing. Yeah. I think if you play the blues, you should make you should make the audience dance. Like I, I mean, as much as I have a lot of respect for people who can get up there and just sear and like go crazy and play as fast as they can, 
And you look at the crowd, they're all like, just looking at them. <laughs> I want people to be moving. I think it should be moving. That's why I moved to New Orleans. Like, people move when, I mean, you should be moving when you, when, you, when you play the blues, I think. Yeah. Oh, obviously, there's time for the other stuff, but my sort of stuff that I, <clears throat> you know, was into is just have people having fun and like either at a bar, boozing or whatever they're doing, but at least, you know, it was uppity, you know, yeah. and it was that. It wasn't, uh, so I was never really into that like searing kind of plan. Yeah. I respect it, but it wasn't my style. Now, um, and his name will come up again later on, but I was talking to uh, Dean Zaccaro, and he right. was talking about. Yeah. He was talking about New York. It might have been Manhattan, near yeah. the East Village, whatever. Yeah, it was, it was East Village too. Um, so he preceded you slightly, yeah, and he talked about uh, a change in administration and a change in uh, the, the kind of overhead that venues were having to uh, deal with uh, as a result of not, you know, indirectly a change in the administration, but yeah. a few things. Um, so when you were coming into this, uh, it seems as though you were, you were experiencing that bottleneck as well where yeah. uh, the, the number of venues are decreasing. Did, yeah. you, oh, yeah. did you know any other time did it not occur to you that this is kind of a desperate time if you want to call well, it well to me though so you know i started out in manhattan and that was happening but what was also happening was across the river in brooklyn was okay. booming mm-hmm. that was williamsburg was booming you know and there was a ton of bands that came out of that situation but that's where we went so we went across the river took the l train and all there was, it was all rehearsal spaces and everybody's in a band and there was plenty of people you could meet at the local bar. So I started playing over there. And so over there, those venues were real underground and, you know, not fancy at all. And they hadn't sent, they hadn't really been, the, the eye wasn't on them yet for like the big label stuff, but all these small labels were over there putting up venues. <clears throat> so, okay. and a lot of bands were playing. There's a lot of the house shows and stuff like that, you know, almost DIY, but there'd be a ton of people in there, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so I got, got into that, that situation a little bit. Um, <laughs> but I still, you know, I still lived in Manhattan and there were some places I would play all the time. But um, yeah, I think the stuff that maybe the Dean's talking about is, you know, the bigger blues clubs perhaps. And, you know, there was a lot of that. It was just like, it was also hard to get into that because there's already people that have been doing it. You know, it's hard to get your foot in those kind of places. As a musician, you're saying? As a musician. Got gotcha. you. Yeah. So I went, I went to Brooklyn, and that's where um, I started playing like more funky stuff and rhythm guitar, and uh, and just playing in, in little clubs over there because mm-hmm. there was a ton of them popping up. You yeah. know? And there was the kids were were loving it. You, you anywhere you went, you'd have a crowd because everybody was out, you know, and stuff like that. Is was this? Uh many different genres at one location or each location kind of supported a, um, a select kind of, genre it was kind of all over the place you know because i the a, lot reason I rock, is, a lot of indie rock stuff but yeah. also there was you know there was definitely a, a like a there was a couple of places that were heavy on blues that the bookers loved that you know yeah. and bring us in um but yeah it was mostly mostly uh, you know on that, that kind of tip for sure yeah I ask because I, it seems to me, I recall a time in the early 90s, um, 
throughout the 90s actually where it just seemed like there were more meetings of the genres in one location. Mm -hmm. Maybe they were small festivals, or if you, you couldn't even call them a festival, they were so small. Yeah. But it would have these bands that wouldn't normally find themselves in the same room together, or wouldn't normally be able to play in front of each other's crowd because they're, they're not of the same genre i don't mm -hmm. know how else to put mm -hmm. it but yeah, yeah but so and i think that's healthy and i wish there was cool. more of it yeah man. i'm sorry to feel like that that kind of went away so i was wondering if yeah. you you experienced that as well up there i mean um <clears throat> you definitely did you know uh, there was there were times when there were different you know it, it depended on the certain scene or whatever club it was but um there's this place called it's still there rockwood music hall and i, I would go there a lot and they would have all sorts of different, every night would be different. It'd be like either just like piano jazz or or indie rock or a punk band, a big giant funk band there. Yeah. And I would hang out there. I lived right around the corner. I hung out there a lot. And I would meet a lot of people there, Yeah, different folks. And it was it was really cool. It was it was it was cool. And sometimes it was like snobbery up, you know, as, as, as much as New York snobbery as you can imagine. Was there any specific you know? genre that seemed to attract the most snobs? Um, I'm just curious. Uh, interesting. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I should say <laughs> no trash time. Um, just uh, uh, dude, it's just hard, an observation. It's hard to say. You know, I you know what it was. A lot of like the avant-garde downtown jazz players, they knew they knew everything. They knew they knew much more than whatever. Yeah, those kind of guys. And I would go to those clubs. I love that shit too. I I I will watch anyone play. You know, I love watching jazz music. I really do. Like I, to me, it's like watching. It's like a cook. You know, if I'm like a, you know, I, I work at a burger joint and I'm the, I'm the chef there, but I like to go watch sushi guys make sushi. Sure. That's how I kind of look at watching some of these jazz players, especially down here. It's, it's you know, and I'm, I I admire them, but like, I don't, not a lot of them are, but there was some of that kind of snobbery with, with some, some of those like, you know, and they also had a lot of, it was, it was the guys that had a lot of success, you know, and then they would be like, oh, what do you do? And they'd be like, oh, you know. You, you know, know, you guys, oh, I, I'm playing this. And, you know, you're like, all right, fine, whatever. Yeah. So that sort of stuff. But overall, though, I, I think I met a lot of met a lot of cool people that way. And and then when I went to Brooklyn, I got into the kind of a little bit more of a folk scene. And there was this tiny little folk scene in Red Hook, Brooklyn. It's still there. There's this place called the Jalopy Theater. And they're still doing it really strong. And uh, they accepted me as a friend. And I would watch these guys play really old-timey music stuff, even uh -huh. older than the stuff I was playing. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, um, so I, I got in with them, and that was a nice scene, a nice kind of crowd. But New York is very clicky, and it still is. Sure. It's just the way it is. Down here, it's, it's very different, I feel. I feel like I can meet anyone from any sort of, you know, and just sit and chat, yeah. even if, whatever, about music or whatever. And, it, and it's easy, you know. Lucky for me Easy. today. What's that? <laughs> right, I said lucky for me today, yeah, right? Right. I mean, glad, glad you feel it. <laughs> yeah, it's man. easy. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So what marked, what was the genesis for the move here? Um, man, I don't know. I just, I, I, was, I was working at a, um, a lot of these publishing houses. I work as a print designer, and I have since college. Because um, otherwise I wouldn't be able to afford New York. It was too expensive. That's, That's what basically I've been it. told, yeah. We just like... I was living with my now wife, and we lived in this little spot in Brooklyn, and we loved it. But it just didn't see anything. I had enough of the cold. <laughs> I grew up in it, you know. I just Dude. had enough. And also, we started coming down here. Um, 
mostly to go to to jazz fest i had some gigs down here with some friends that were blah 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 and I, so I, I sort of knew some folks in the music scene and but more or less it was just yeah we came down here and i um i first think came down here on a road trip and i fell in love with it and and like you know right it was post katrina 20s 2007 yeah and i saw it and i saw i saw it for all it was i mean i really but i really fell for it i really loved it is it a popular i guess migrational destination do you find more and more people certain certain people and and um i do there are certain people in new york that that have made the trek and have, have been and like it but um and I know you hear a lot about. I, I meet a lot of people from that area. Yeah. But from from Brooklyn or stuff like that, I know a couple guys that came down and are playing music here, and you know, same as me. Um, but yeah, I didn't think of it that more. I just, you know, we kind of just picked a spot. It was like I didn't really want to. It's just where we saw ourselves, and also we both loved it. So kind of me and me and my partner, uh, my wife, just loved it. That was it. Really, I mean, we love the food. We love the the people. You know, we like the bars. <laughs> we yeah. enjoy a, you know, we enjoyed that. We enjoy that 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 nightlife, and and so that was a part of it. And it was like, all right, let's go and check it out. Go for a year, and now it's been ten years. Yeah, you know, has it accelerated uh, your music career? Oh, absolutely. It's meant everything. I wasn't I wasn't writing like this then back then you know I came down here for that too as well I did was all right if I'm gonna come down here I'm gonna go for it you know and I really did I came down I I went to Royal Street and busked you know met some people through that I kept doing that and I finally found a some good people I got um, got lucky and meeting some 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 really great players I started started playing with them got a gig on Frenchman did that for years gig in the quarter did that for years and i'm still doing that i'm still i'll gig anywhere in the city i like to I like to broaden my horizons uptown bywater frenchman everywhere you know sure. i'm trying to get out of town more now trying to trying to get that's kind of the you know next thing is to get on the road do more regional shows really yeah I get up mississippi a lot you know i'm playing a lot of that music and i've played in mississippi before and played in memphis um nashville I'd like to do that more. I just want to keep that going, you know, where I can have this home base and play, you know, once a week or whatever it is, but also get on the road is really the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the, you have an album that's about to come out. Yeah, that's right. Um, the record. Has that <clears throat> been, I guess, somewhat of the motivation for the desire to travel? Yeah, Or is absolutely. that something that you've enjoyed in the past? And that did you want to revisit? Like, what's what's really getting you back out on the road? Um, well, that definitely is. I mean, that was that the whole. I, I wanted to make a record, but one because I wrote a bunch of songs and finally, and I like finally got them to a point where I liked. I was ready to record them, and um, but yeah, the the whole the whole point of the thing is to get me more work, you know, in, yeah, in my of head, course. Yeah, you yeah. know, for anyone it is. But um, yeah, that, that's something to promote would be great, you know. Um, and I, I do a lot of travel too. We uh, I go to Europe a lot. My wife's company is who she works for. Um, she's always on the road. She's on the road now. Um, so I try to, you know, I've played in Belgium before, played in France, played in Ireland, and I want to bring that 
I want to do that a lot more, and, and having more original music is helpful. And also, I play a lot of, they love American blues over there. You know, so I'm told, you know, yeah. It's a great fan base, and so I can kind of bring it there and sort of be like, I hate this, I'm not a big fan of this word, but a culture bearer. You know, I, I don't consider a myself ambassador. that. Cultural ambassador. Yeah, very, that's know. what they, yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> I, I've, I've been called that, and I'm like, oh, like that. Yeah, what are you going to uh, do? Whatever, though. Yeah. I, I go over there and play blues, and I, I, I have a little show where I, I, I talk about whoever made the song, you know, and who they're from, and I play a lot of Louisiana blues. That's nice. A lot of players are from Louisiana, or from New Orleans, for sure. And so I like to promote that. It promotes the city, and I feel like the city's given me a lot, and I, I, I love it. And so the least I can do is if I go anywhere is give props to it, you know, and sure and the audiences love it and I play, you know, fun little places and some festivals. Well, yeah, having this record and having a and having a label now um, uh, with my with my friend and producer and partner, Dean Zuccaro, um, you know, two of us want to get on the road. We were in Australia last year. We're going to go back and we had, we had some good. Um, Good reception there. Mm -hmm. And so. this is in this is sticking with this format where you talk about the the songs yeah. that you're playing. I mean, I always try to do that. You know, if 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 it's a full bar and everybody's you know not listening, I'm not going to do it. But like, yeah, I, I do it. If if yeah, I, I try to bring that to the show as much as possible. But the more original songs you have, then you talk about your own stuff and sure. your own experience. And I think people, I think audiences really like that. So the the reason for the record, and and I'm just I'm. I'm just really happy how it came out. I mean, we had a lot of really phenomenal players on it from from all from New Orleans and in Louisiana. Yeah. And uh, so I'm excited to take it out, you know, and, and get on the radio with it and sell it. Yeah. Yeah. You strike me as maybe uh, self-critical. Oh, yeah. Self-critical. How long? How long <laughs> were you sitting on these tracks? How long did it take for you to say, oh, "Okay, boy. they're you know, done"? I'm done. self-critical, but I, I, I ain't a, uh, I ain't a, um, what do they call it? perfectionist at all means. I, I, I needed a little push to get them done, um, and you know, I had some help. You know, Dean helped me with the producing and all that. But I pushed myself to get them done. Like, all right, let's get these done. Get them, you know. So I, I was, but also when it came to time to record them, I was like, let's just go. I mean, we, we just did it, you know, we did it as, we, it's a live band, and then we added players to it. So like the, the main tracks are live, you know, so I didn't, we didn't nitpick that stuff, and, but to write it, yeah, to write it, it took me, well, there was also a big giant pandemic in the middle of it. I started writing these songs in 2020 and finished them in 2022, yeah. you know what I mean? So it was that too. Um, yeah, so it it took it, it took a while, but also I want I had some patience with it to make sure it got out right. I didn't want to just put it out, just say hey, you know. I wanted to have some. Yeah. I wanted to you know put some stuff into it, invest in it. I guess sure, say. Yeah. sure. Um, was there any trepidation when it came to finding the right players? Because you talked earlier on in this interview about mm -hmm. kind of having a rotating roster. Yep. Um, what kind of hurdles does that present for um, someone with original music that wants to make sure it's done right? Uh, it does, but um, at the same time that I have that, I also have, you know, some players that I've played with a lot, and Dean is one of them, and and uh, and the drummer Mike Barris, who's a, you know, phenomenal Cajun drummer and rock drummer, and 
you know, and he's, he's very well known and um, <clears throat> just overall great player, great musician, great guy. And uh, he, those guys have been playing with a lot, uh, you know, throughout the years. So they, and, and um, so I, I would road test the songs with them and all that. So when I got into the studio, I, you know, Dean and I have been playing a lot. So those were kind of, that was a one tight unit that I felt comfortable. comfortable. Yeah. yeah. They were exactly who I thought, especially with Dean re producing the thing. I was like, well, I gotta get Mike, you know? Uh, so that was, yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was, it was and then all the others came together just through either guys that Dean knew or I knew and had played with. And it was, it was awesome. It was just all yeah. big. Yeah. It was, it was a really fun, there was no bad days. It really wasn't. And we didn't, we, the record took a while, but the, you know, I think within a month we had all the, the tracks, the basic stuff. Okay. And then the other stuff was, that took another, you know, as long as, but even that was, it was fun. It was it was a it was a nice uh, experience. We recorded at River Shack Studios with the great Jake Eckert. Um, he was, as people know from the uh, New Orleans Suspects, and he was brilliant at it. And he really lended a lot to the record as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad it was good. a natural transition for you. I mean, it was. It felt yeah, yeah, it was working with those guys. Yeah, yeah. I guess the way I kind of <clears> said that before is I was just sort of like a journeyman. I just hired random people. But no, I, I have I have a crew. I have like two two different crews that, you know, I, I work with and I have for the past like, ten years now, almost almost ten years. But um, you know, I guess the point I was making is it's 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 very common to you know. When people are busy, you hire someone else and that sure. kind of stuff, you know. But, sure. But yeah, it was it was it was a no you know no brainer to uh, bring that that crew in, and um, and that went down really well. And everything in the studio was was great. I didn't, I loved everything. I was just like it was, and I thought I would be like oh no, but I, everything we got back, I'm really, like, this is awesome, you know. Yeah. Dean had to roll me. He just wrote me in. Like, all right, now we gotta <laughs> we gotta edit this and all that stuff. But, yeah. Was there anything that really proved challenging to you? I mean, this is, um, this is, I mean, you have to please tell them and me, um, yeah. you know, your, your, not level of experience, but time um, put into the recording process. I mean, you said you released an EP and other than that, you hadn't recorded anything. No, I so, I mean, really. this was, this was still a fairly, fairly new, new situation. Well, yeah. right, right, right. I mean, I did a lot of studio stuff in New York, but I was always just kind of, on the side, not on the, you know, I was a side, I was the, the rhythm guy and, you know, and, um, and singing too. But, um, so I, I, you know, I had a lot of experience with it, but not much, so much the technical stuff. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It was, uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it was, it was comfortable to a point. Um, the vocals were, you know, I had, I thought I had trouble with that, but then again, we kind of nailed it and, you know, but I never, no one likes how they sound. No one can. <laughs> I don't think like vocally, but I don't know. I, that was kind of probably the most challenging thing for me um, was was hitting that. And um, but most of it, I already had in my head these songs I've been working on so long. I just I had I knew what they wanted to sound like. I knew, yeah, I knew that. You had a very specific yeah. vision. I mean, that and can then, be a credit and a deficit. At the absolutely, same time. man. Yeah, but also when someone would come in, they'd bring something different to it, and you're like, wow, that. That's super cool. Unless we've got to keep that. Yeah, well, you got an open you know? mind, though. That really helps. Yeah, yeah, I had to. I was, it was, for me, it was exciting. Studio is exciting, you know, and I'm, I want to do more of it as well. Absolutely. absolutely. You, um, 
So tell them the date and the name of the album. Where okay, the name it. of the record uh, is called Stone Cold Hands, and it is out March 8th, 2024. What are we looking at? How many tracks? We are looking at 10 tracks, uh-huh. uh, all originals, save for one. I do a Jimmy Reed song called High and Lonesome. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But it's original arrangement, I guess I could say. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of the way Pitch around. The lyrics are his, but the original arrangement is, is mine, and I kind of like that. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. And um, you're evidently serious about touring on the heels of this. Yeah, release, man. Huh? Yeah. yeah. So I'm booking. If anyone wants, you know, check out Sean Riley Music on Instagram and uh, Sean Riley in the Water dot com. So trying to book a regional regional tour up through you know Alabama, Tennessee, back through Mississippi. Sure. Like that. Yeah. All right. Trying to get it working. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time, bud. David, thanks a lot, man. Thank Great you to too, meet man. you, bud. All right. Cheers. Check it out. We all pretty much start off like jam bands. We get together, we push our souls out to the speakers. We look around the stage and read off of one another. And, you know, after so much time, we know where the next person is going. Aside from those connections, we build connections with the fans. And that means the world to us. That's why listeners like yourself are so important to us. We'd love to have you back, so hit the button and follow the show. You can also support this show by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash New Orleans Music. That's buymeacoffee.com slash New Orleans Music. And remember, you can find music videos, albums, articles, and interviews with bands like my own, Pocket Chocolate, on neworleansmusicians.com. Thanks for listening.